Welcome to Women Who Walk. I'm Louise Ross, writer and author of Women Who Walk the Book, the inspiration for this podcast. And just as I did for the book, here, I'll be interviewing and unpacking the journeys of impressive, intrepid women who've made multiple international moves for work, for adventure, for love, for freedom, reminding us that women can do extraordinary things. You can find a transcript with pictures to each episode and my books on my website, louiseross.com. Hello listeners, welcome to episode 25 of Women Who Walk. My guest today is Elizabeth Bellos. Elizabeth is 27, Ukrainian, but born in Lunen, Germany, where after the collapse of the Soviet Union, her parents had immigrated, looking for work opportunities and a place to raise a family. In 2004, when she was nine, the family moved to Sacramento, California, to be with extended family members who had moved there as refugees after the Soviet Union collapsed and where her parents found further work opportunities. But in 2007, her parents moved Elizabeth and her brother again, this time to Portugal, to work as missionaries on behalf of the Evangelical Church. I'll mention here that starting with the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, Religious freedom in Russia was oppressed. During the 1920s and 30s, the communist government was anti-church. Religion and its practice was treated harshly. From the 50s onwards, the church was open to worshippers of Russian orthodoxy, but believers were judged harshly. With the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, old Soviet laws fell away and the right to religious freedom was reinstated. From 2007 until 2012, Elizabeth's school years 7 to 12, she attended Abeka Academy, a Florida Christian college with a biblically-based distance learning program. By age 17, Elizabeth was a teen mum to a little boy. She continued living with her parents But when they decided to move back to the Ukraine, before another move back to the US, Elizabeth and the father of her son moved in together and Elizabeth began working at a privately run guest house as the owner's personal assistant and with whom she still works part-time. While her parents and most of her extended family now live in the US, Elizabeth remains in Portugal, a culture language and lifestyle that she has adapted to and loves. And because she speaks five languages, German, Ukrainian, Russian, English and Portuguese, she has been able to build a small business of her own as a home support person come personal assistant to a clientele of internationals living in her neighbourhood. Through the pandemic, she was able to continue working However, she made the decision to split from her son's Ukrainian father and live on her own as a single mum. Recently, her aunt, her cousin and new baby arrived from the Ukraine. The family is now living with Elizabeth and her son. (laughs) 
Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. Now, you're Ukrainian, but born in Germany. Can you talk a bit about your heritage, the background of your family and the circumstances around your parents' decision to emigrate to Germany? I'm so happy to be here. So, yes, I am Ukrainian. When my parents got married, they lived. Uh, they were living in the Soviet Union still. And after getting married, they decided they wanted to move. As soon as the Soviet Union collapsed, they moved out and decided to have their children, bring up their children in Germany. They wanted a better life in Germany, do you think, for, for you and your brother? Yes. When they were still living in, in Ukraine, there was a lot of religious persecution going on. Mm. And my whole family, my heritage, they're all religious, they're all Christian. Mm-hmm. And they, mm-hmm. there was a lot of religious persecution going on in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And since the whole family were, is Christian, mm-hmm. it was very hard growing up for my my grandparents, my parents also. Mm. It was always something going on. You were not allowed to have any religion or anything like that in the Soviet Union. So uh. as soon as as soon as um, it collapsed, mm-hmm. the, that was the year my parents got married, and they decided to just move out. And lots of Ukrainians moved out after that also. Uh, my grandparents and the whole family they moved to the U.S. While my parents, they decided to move to Germany. And that's where I was born and my brother also. And we had a beautiful childhood there. That's wonderful. Were your parents uh, happy there as well? Ah, yes. They had good jobs. We had all that we need. Perfect childhood where we, um, where we could go someplace every summer so we had vacations either in Spain or in Sweden Uh, so it was everything that a young family could want but the only thing that we were missing was our grandparents our aunts and uncles who at that time all moved to the US. Mm -hmm. I see and in Germany your parents were free to practice their religious beliefs? Yes, we did go to evangelical church mm-hmm. and they continued working in church and helping in church and doing various things like they always love to do, either with children, with, um, with the youth. So we were growing up in church just, just like it was with my grandparents and my great-grandparents. I see. So just to clarify, when you're parents and grandparents were living under Soviet rule. They were not free to practice their religious beliefs. Do you know if that was because Russian Orthodox was the only religion that was being practiced during Soviet times? Um, I don't know much, but it was very hard to do anything religious-based. So, yes, I think the Orthodox Church was very large and but I have no idea of how it was back then. Mm -hmm. So when you were a child in Germany and you were speaking German at elementary school and Ukrainian at home and were you also speaking Russian because your parents had grown up under the Soviet 
regime? Were they also speaking Russian to you? So German was my first language and a very loved one. I learned to read and write in German. Um, but thanks to my father, who was strict about speaking Ukraine and not forgetting Ukrainian, I um, already had those two languages. But of course, someone who is Ukrainian has lots of Russian-speaking friends, either they're Ukrainian or Russians. So it was always a mix of, you know, with some people you speak Russian, with others you speak Ukrainian. So I already knew both languages very well. It was also a mix that I spoke, Ukrainian and Russian. It, it all depends on what part of Ukraine you're from. Either you speak Ukrainian or you speak a mix or you can speak also Russian. So yes, I did learn Russian over time. And the Russian and Ukrainian alphabet I learned only when I was 10 or 11 years old in school. Mm -hmm. and, and that was at school in Germany? Oh, in the, in the US. All right. Already. All right. <laughs> we'll get there. Another country move coming up. Because it was around age nine, wasn't it, that your parents immigrated to the US. And so can you tell us about their decision to make that country move? So at age nine, we all went and visited my whole family in the US because it was someone's wedding. And um, my parents, I think, liked it so much and we missed our whole family, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles. We missed them so much. We lived with them for these nine to ten years that we were living in Germany. Uh, so we decided to all pack up and move to the U.S. so that we, we could know how it is to live with grandparents who you can visit often with all aunts and uncles and all the children and everyone was getting married at that time. We wanted to live closer to our whole family. That's why we moved to the US. So that the extended family could be together. So what was it like for you entering school in the US as a European with parents from the Ukraine? Uh, for instance, were there other kids in your school from different cultural backgrounds? We were welcomed so well and so warmly there that... I did feel like I fitted in. The school I went to had lots of Slavic people from Russia, from Ukraine, from other countries. And we all spoke English, so it was not a Russian or Ukrainian speaking school, even though that is very common there also. There are dentists and doctors who you can go to who, who speak Russian or Ukrainian only. Mm -hmm. And the city we were living in was very Slavic-oriented. What city was that, Elizabeth? It was in Sacramento. Oh, in okay, California. California. Um, the school had um, many children from many nationalities and, and cultural backgrounds, and I, I loved it there. I had a teacher who spoke German, so that's how it was easier for me to learn English because of his help. Mm -hmm. He helped me throughout the, the first year I was his student. Um, he translated many things from German to English, and that's how I learned English very well and very quickly there. I loved it there in school, yes. 
You mentioned that you were there for 10 years in Germany. My family lived for about 11 years. And in the US, we only lived for three. For three, okay. And so then your family's next country move is an interesting one because it's back to Europe, but this time to Portugal. So why did your parents decide to come to Portugal? Uh, it also had to do something with the church and with the work that my parents did throughout all of their life. So they always worked with children, with young people, with uh, people who speak Russian or Ukrainian in all the countries that we lived in. They decided to be missionaries and from the U.S., be missionaries in Portugal. Their focus was to help and make a stronger community with those people who speak who are Russian, Ukrainians, and who speak our language here in Portugal. There were many people who lived here in Portugal who came from the from Ukraine to just work and save some money and go back to Ukraine and build a house or provide for their family there. And uh, there was not, at that time, there wasn't many churches or communities who spoke Russian and Ukrainian. That's why my parents moved us all to Portugal to start this type of work. Mm, I see. Missionary work, which kind of answers my next question or, or it gives me an understanding of um, why your parents enrolled you in a distant learning college for the duration of your secondary education instead of sending you to a Portuguese school because it was a Christian-based distant learning college. Is that right? Yes, that's right. It was homeschool, Christian-based, because if I was to learn yet another language and go to school here, I would have probably spent one to two years of just trying to learn the language and pass. So learning at home was a positive choice because that way I could continue my school years without all the issues with learning a new language and I continued my education and it was also a Christian college. I really enjoyed studying studying everything Christian-based here in Portugal and just to continue with school and finish it at, at the right time. Were you a part of a, a Ukrainian or Russian community here or? Uh, did you develop uh, friends in the Portuguese community? Uh, yes, there was a already large Russian-Ukrainian community here in Portugal. Mm-hmm. We were part of it, yes. And we also had many other things like camps and youth programs and house gathering that we did here in Portugal. It was a very nice time. Mm. Well, it sounds like though you were being homeschooled, there was still a lot of uh, rich community activity with both the Russian and Ukrainian community and even developing friendships within the Portuguese community as well, which is important when you're a teenager. Um, And then at 17, you become a mum and you were still living at home here in Portugal with your parents who gave you lots of support, which is wonderful. And then at some point, your parents decided to move back to the Ukraine. Now, why did they go back? 
They supported me when I was pregnant and when I had my son. And But at that moment, it was very hard for my father to find a stable job. So they decided to go to Ukraine and buy a property there and continued other types of work there in the Ukraine. Because there you can basically live and all that you grow in your garden, on your property, you can live off of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas here you cannot live without a stable job and both parents working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After my son was born, I was living for a year with my parents still with their support. But then I decided to live with the father of my son. And my parents gave me a place to live. They provided and they helped me out just to to get on my feet and continue living as a small family with me, my son, and his father. Your parents had an enormous amount of faith and trust in you because you're so young at that point. Um, basically starting out as a, as a young parent and, and then you began to work as well and you and your um, partner at the time are, are setting up house as, as teenagers with your, with your baby. And so I just think that's an, um, enormously supportive and trusting of your parents to, to have faith in your capabilities. But then uh, your, your parents were back in the Ukraine and then they make another move back to the US. Now, why did they do that? They lived for a few years in Ukraine. They renovated the whole territory that they had with various houses that were already built there. And they really wanted to move back to where the whole family was because my grandparents were also getting old and they also need support. And it's always better and easier to live where your sisters and brothers are, where your parents are. So since the family is so large and always growing in the U.S., they um, decided to move back to the, to the U.S. And they could do it as um, refugees from Ukraine, also support my grandparents and work from there. They do support me. They work, they have jobs there, they are learning and doing so many other things. I'm very happy that they moved from the Ukraine to the U.S. Mm -hmm, I bet. And the, the property that they had in Ukraine, they have left it for a church that's there in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So the church can do various events for children, for young people. Um, events like camps and outings and so much more because the property was all changed specifically for these types of events mm -hmm. and camps. And it's called Narnia, by the way. Oh, wonderful, Narnia. The property. And now that property is home to refugees, isn't it? Yes, there's a lot of refugees there from the east now. And I'm so happy that it's being used at every stage of, of its existence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're now 27 and your son is 10 and you're doing well with your own small business as a home support person come personal assistant to a clientele of internationals living close here to your home. 
and you're settled and you speak Portuguese, are these the reasons why when your parents tried to persuade you to immigrate to the US that you said no, that you've decided to stay in Portugal? I love it here in Portugal so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've gotten used to it um, since I've been here for about 15 years. I work and my son was born here and I know so much here that I felt it's just not time to move for me. Mm-hmm. I will um, visit them in the future, but there's still a reason why why I'm here in Portugal. And since I love it so much, the all the things that, that surround me, the, the ocean and the food and all the things that I am used to, I don't mind living here, even though I don't have family close by. Mm-hmm. But you do now because... One of the conversations we had recently is that you've received family from the Ukraine as a result of the crisis. And so in a way it's almost a blessing that you are still here because you've received your aunt and cousin and your cousin's baby. All of them fled to Poland and then managed to get on a flight to Lisbon. So how are you all doing? You've got a house full, I know. So what, what's it like for you at home these days? I'm so happy that I was still here in Portugal and I had a large enough place with with enough rooms to receive my family that fled from the Ukraine. It's not the whole family, only the, the women, because the men cannot leave the country. And um, I received them happily because they did not want to go farther, um, for example, to the US because my uncle and my cousin are still in Ukraine, so they they are staying at my place. It is very exciting <laughs> since I did not see them for so many years. I believe I did not see them for about 18 or 19 years. Mm-hmm. That's the last time I saw them in person. So it's very lively in my house with a baby. Mm-hmm. I got to share all my son's baby clothes and the crib. And I just, I just feel like I'm happy that I can do something. And my aunt cooks very well mm-hmm. <laughs> and happily does that while I'm working. Mm-hmm. So I'm so happy that I can help them and potentially helping others too, because I speak the languages, I know everything in Portugal. Um, There's a lot to do and a lot of people to help. And I'm very happy that I'm still here in Portugal, uh, willingly and happily living here, where I can help others integrate or just feel more welcome here, those that are fleeing from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Have you been a part of some of the um, community activities that have been put in place to support the refugees as they arrive? I am part of various communities, also just one-on-one. So I know various families, various women and children who I have contact with, and I just help in their basic questions like, what stores are best to buy clothes or where can I find this and that or how to use the train and Mm. and various things like that. It's all easy for me to explain and I know it all. So 
So I try to help as much as I can. Mm, wow, that's amazing, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being of service to, to people who need it. And this must be rather at some level fun for your son to, to have the family here and have a house full of family. And obviously he's bilingual or multilingual and he can speak with the family members in Ukrainian. Am I right? Yes, yes. It's so beautiful to hear him speak Ukrainian and Russian mm-hmm. and get back to speaking it more often mm-hmm. because he was speaking Portuguese all the time and it's very easy for him. I'm so happy that he can now change it and switch to Ukrainian and to Russian. He understands it perfectly. I'm so happy he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he just loves the full house, the baby. He he, he um, helps with anything regarding the baby because he loves little children and he just feels alive with with the full house and the things to do and the places to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this is a really uplifting and happy place to end, Elizabeth, because I think that, oh gosh, we're hearing so much difficult information in the news and to hear that uh, your family is safe, members of your family are safe and that uh, there are other refugees here in Portugal and that you've been of service to them and helping them. I mean, this is very positive and very heartwarming and I thank you so much for all that you do and all that you give and all the support that you continue to give, not just to your regular clients but to the larger uh, Ukrainian community and the refugees. Thank you so much for your time today, Elizabeth. You're very welcome, Louise. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening today. And so you don't miss future episodes with more impressive, intrepid women, do subscribe on your favourite podcast provider or on my YouTube channel, Women Who Walk Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review Women Who Walk on either Apple or Podchaser. I've linked to them both in the transcript of this episode on my website, louiseross.com.